0: Welcome again to Our Street, Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder uh, on a nice uh, warm summer day here at the end of the uh, summer. And we have as a guest today, uh, Melissa Ramos-Lamley. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. So Melissa, you're with uh, Lincoln Public Schools, is that correct?
1: Uh, No, actually Uh, I'm with Lincoln Transportation and Utilities. Um, I'm with the traffic engineering section.
0: My apologies, I should have okay. asked before the show started. <laughs> so Lincoln Transportation and Utilities, okay. So Kurt, uh, you invited Melissa on to talk about yeah. walking to school, well,
2: right? Yeah, uh, yeah, so it's just um, a safe routes to school. Uh, but before we really jump into that, you know, we always have our guests to help you know, share a little bit about themselves. So Melissa, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and how, how How did you get into
1: this role? Sure. Um, So originally I'm from Garden City, Kansas, um, but I moved here when I was in third grade. So I kind of consider myself a a native Lincolnite, um, Nebraskan. So um, I went to school here. I graduated from UNL. Um, I started working with the city of Lincoln about 23 years ago. Um, I started um, when our department was called public works in the engineering services section um, and then I worked there for a couple of years and I actually ended up going to work for the Lincoln Police Department in the Crime Analysis Unit. And that was some really interesting work, worked with some really great people. Um, so I, st- I was there for about, I think about four years and then um, came back to Public Works. Um, and then about uh, early, 2019 I ended up taking a position in the traffic engineering unit, and that is where I am
0: today.
2: Well that's one terrific. So, so at what point was safe routes to school and school walking routes however one what is the best way to you know what is the best way to you know share it is it safe routes to school is it is it school walking routes what's the correct terminology that we should be you know pushing out there?
1: So, yeah, I think safe routes to school is the best way to, um, you know, call it by that. Um, it's nationally recognized safe routes to school. So everyone kind of has a great idea of what you're talking about. Um, so, so that's kind of, yeah, that's what, how I would phrase it, safe routes to school.
2: Okay. So during the job interview, was this like, so there's this thing called safe routes to school and it's going to be your kid. <laughs> or, or was this something that you saw once you got into your position saying that, you know, this is something that I really want to take on or, or was it just a good mix of the two?
1: So um, actually, no, it did not come up in my job uh, interview. What happened was they were in just finishing up a multi-year um, study looking at uh, ways to improve school zone safety. And they were just finishing up that project and they had were in the process of releasing the city of Lincoln school zone standards. Um, and those were put together. We had a consultant that is nationally recognized um, working on, um, bleh, I just lost the word, apologize. But they anyway, they worked together with a citizen panel looking at uh, national standards and best practices For um, pedestrian mobility and also safe routes to schools all across the country Um, so they published our safe um, excuse me our school's own standards which can be found on our website and at that time now they needed someone to look at all the schools in Lincoln and implement all those new standards so they said Melissa um, we got a project for you how would you like to start evaluating schools and I said bring it on let's get it done so yeah that's how that came about
2: nice so there's a lot of schools um, oh yeah is St. Cross the school for elementary middle high school all of them is there a hierarchy of who goes first
1: um so safe routes to school uh is going to be kindergarten through 12th grade so it's going to be all of the schools in lincoln that are um i believe we are designated designated the schools as the ones that are accredited by the state of nebraska so that's a total of about it was 84-ish schools in Lincoln that have a kindergarten through 12th grade program, you know, either a mix or partial or whatever. Um, We just opened two new schools this year, um, Robinson Elementary and Northwest High School. So that brings the total up to about 86. And then next year when Standing Bear opens, that'll be 87 schools. Um, And I I do say ish because um, we have some schools that have a kindergarten program Um, some of those schools may have kind of eased back on those programs with COVID. So we'll need to double check and see if they're still going, you know, when we get to them.
2: Sure. Sure. So let's kind of jump into some of the bread and butter of what it takes to do something like this. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's what, 20 current state routes to schools done. So there's still a lot of work to do out there, right?
1: Yes. Yep, there is a lot to do. It's it's a lot of work. Um, we take a lot of things into consideration when we first start looking at a school. Um, we are looking at what is the you know safest and most efficient path to get those kids to school. Um, we have to look at things like are there sidewalks available? Are there curb ramps in place? Um, we have to look at what infrastructure needs there are available to those to the students. So once we identify that path. Um, and we identify what improvements need to be made, then we, um, you know, keep going. We work with the school, we work with the neighborhood, find out, um, you know, obviously, did we miss anything? Um, Is this the right path we wanna take? And then um, it all comes down to, then we have to identify funding and get that all lined up and, you know, push those improvements out to those schools. Gotcha.
2: so the so that you came in there was this big plan it's going to take someone to actually you know guide the process and that's what we're talking about and we're at 20 and we're doing a bit more how is the next school chosen So, so let's say that we're easier math we're at 25 and we want to do school 26 is there a hierarchy of who gets gets it done next or is it just a matter of we we have so much money in the budget and so we we can get these one or two schools done with this budget, or what's that look like? What, what's that prior prioritization look like?
1: Sure. So obviously, you know we uh, you know we've got taxpayer dollars, so we're trying to be as efficient as we can with those. So when we're looking at what schools we should evaluate to improve next, um, we actually look at what, you know, what streets are are scheduled to be um, rehabilitated or gonna have improvements around them because it works best if we can, you know, kind of piggyback off that and do those improvements at the same time. Um, It's more efficient. We save money on mobilization costs. And also it's not as disruptive to the neighborhood. If we can get in there and get all this stuff done at once, we're not in there bothering the neighborhood a second time after they've already had, you know, construction done on their streets and stuff. So that's one of the big things we look at is, okay, what's Um, you know what streets are we looking at for construction next year what you know what's coming up and then we say okay and what schools are nearby and um, oh yeah how much is that going to impact that school well let's look and get see what improvements are needed as well
0: Melissa are you talking about school crossing lights and those sorts of things is that the main thing that you're talking about
1: Um, well actually it it encompasses all kinds of traffic control devices and crosswalk treatments Um, so For some schools, maybe all they need um, are some crosswalk markings, just some paint on the street. Some schools need um, reduced speed flashers. Um, Some schools, um, you know, may need an RRFB or yeah, a traffic signal. So each school, even though we've got these standards and we're trying to make things consistent, each school is individual. So they all have their own special thing that they may, you know, improvement we may need to do.
2: I am looking at your website, Melissa. And okay. for our listeners, could you tell them the best way to find more information online uh, before we go too much further?
1: Absolutely, um, so go to our website, um, lincoln.ne.gov schoolzone. We'll get you directly to our School Zone webpage.
2: All right. so I'm looking at this and it's a map as you can zoom in and you can see you know, where the school is, the uh, determined walking route, where you think mm-hmm. crosswalks are. And it's a map as you can zoom in and you can see you know where the school is, the uh, determined walking route, where you think mm-hmm. crosswalks are. Uh, and earlier you had said RRFB. What is that?
1: Um, so yeah, an RRFB. <laughs> sorry, probably said that too fast. Um, stands for a rectangular rapid flashing beacon. And yeah, oh. we've got those, uh, We've got more and more out those. It seems those are um, a really uh, popular with pedestrians and bicyclists. Um, you push the button and they flash with yellow lights to indicate to motorists that you're there waiting to cross. So, um, gotcha. yeah.
2: So, so perhaps it's just a really basic question, but I have it so probably others would as well. When we look at walking routes, how is that route determined? I, I ask um, because I had worked with—I can't remember her name—but um, she had worked at Dawes Middle School, and she was surveying her students about what places they were. She was surveying them about how they get to school and and what they felt about different things along that walk. And she was trying to have fun and you know determine what the safest route was for her and for her kids. Is that the same process that is used here, or is it something different?
1: No, it's it's very similar. So yeah, we we do take a look at where the students coming from. Um, we look at where the school boundaries are, and then we look and see what path is going to be the safest and most efficient for the most students. Um, so, and we just kind of go out from there. And obviously, some routes, even though it might be the shortest route, it might not be safe because they don't have sidewalks available, they don't have curb ramps available, or you know, it, in the case of Dawes Middle School, um, if they need to cross Fremont Street where there's not a, a signal or something available, you know, we wouldn't want them going there. So we, you know, may choose a different street because it has something like that available for them to use. So yeah, we do take all of that into consideration.
0: Kurt, do you wanna take a, our, our mid-show break here? Well,
2: yeah, let's 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 do that now, and so we can get into some more site-specific questions in
0: in the second half. Okay, so for our listeners, uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome again to Our Street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder having a really interesting conversation with Melissa Ramos Lamley, and uh, Melissa is with uh, Lincoln Transportation and Utilities, and she's a, a a safe zone or safe walking to school. Uh, investigator a uh, planner person who t- keeps our kids safe by telling them where to go we I, in the break i was kidding but i'm going to tell you the story when i was a kid i went to saratoga school and uh, we lived over on 9th street and 9th street was was one leg of highway 77 back in the day 10th street going north was the other part of uh, of the highway and i was in kindergarten and i would walk and cross 10th street every day going to school to saratoga and um when you think back i mean there were no crosswalks there were no lights it was uh it was a, it was a highway and uh, it was when i think back it was kind of scary i wouldn't certainly want my grandkids to uh, at that age, to be crossing a busy street or especially especially a highway, but I did it, and I guess I was I made it. I'm still here today. So, so what? Uh, tell us, tell us the evolution of of uh, school zones and crosswalks from from back in the uh, in the 50s when I was a kid till today. Uh, I mean, you not, neither one of you were even born, but so. What, what's different? What's new? I mean, is, are there federal standards that dictate what needs to be in place, or is it all local decisions?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do think that there is a heightened awareness and um, emphasis on pedestrian and bicycle safety um, more so now than ever. Um, I think we realize that as vehicles have, you know, technology for vehicles has gotten better and better at keeping motorists safe. You know, bicyclists and pedestrians, you know, that is not evolved for them. So they are very vulnerable. So, you know, a crash for them is gonna be very serious. You know, they don't have airbags, you know, on their bikes and whatnot. So um, I I do think that that is definitely something that is coming to light more and more, um, pedestrian and bicycle safety. Um, And yes, uh, a lot of the standards that we have in our school zone standards, um, come from uh, FHWA, um, the feds. It's coming down, and people are finding um, you know these practices work better than others. So it's it's an evolution. You're correct.
2: So evolutions sometimes come with the cost, and that's just part of why mm-hmm. Everything yep. costs money, and and I'm sure that you know you know some zones you know take just a lot of paint and, you know, maybe not a lot of, you know, hard equipments, maybe the cost is just different. Um, when we think of, so we have roughly 20-something schools that are done and we have, you know, 55-something more to go, what's the average cost to get a school into compliance to help kids out?
1: Wow, that really varies. Um because sure some does. schools, especially our first schools, you know, we kind of, they were like our pilot schools, our test schools. Uh, we selected them in part because they did not need a lot of infrastructure improvements. Um, and we wanted to get, you know, put the signing and the marking stuff that we could do in-house. We wanted to get that done and, and see what lessons we learned. You know, um, where did we, where could we do things better and more efficiently? Um, so those schools, obviously the cost was relatively low. Um, and then, you know, as we have other schools that might need something like an RRFB or um, a reduced speed flasher, I mean, now we're into the thousands of dollars, you know, contractor fees. And even that um, varies just depending on the, you know, can we get supplies? Are contractors available? So it, it definitely varies. I couldn't give you a dollar amount for sure. Um, uh, you know it it just depends each school it seems is its own has its own unique thing happening around it and has its own unique challenges
2: so Linda I'll throw this question quick out and I know you have some more and just, just just ready but when we look at school zones and we can do all the best planning and just perfect execution of the implementation but really, it comes down to the abidement of the rule and the enforcement of those zones. Uh, how are we measuring our success in terms of enforcement? Just say, like you know, it's like you know, in most school zones, you you would slow down, and there's a double fine or something. But unless you're there to enforce it, it's just kind of a well, that was nice. How are we enforcing? You
1: know, that's a great question. Um, you're correct. you know we have we can put out a lot of um, improvements and at the end of the day, we need everybody to, you know, participate uh, essentially. It's, it's, it's a team effort. We need everyone to do their part. We need drivers to, like you say, go slow in the school zones, pay attention, avoid distractions. Um, we need um, pedestrians and bicyclists to make sure they do their part and you know, follow the rules of the road if they're getting ready to cross the street it seems really simple but you got to make sure you look both ways um you know you've got to make sure that you're not darting out behind a parked car where someone didn't see you coming so yeah we we you know we we do believe that the improvements we've made are making things safer but we need everyone to help with that and um enforcement is a big part of that you're correct um I know LPD has their challenges right now with staffing, and that has just made things really difficult for everybody. Um, and we really, ho- I know right now they're doing a special school enforcement project. Um, so I'm really hoping that gets everybody in the right mindset for this year. <laughs> Maybe if you get a ticket, you'll be good for the rest of the year. Uh, I can hope that. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Did you get one?
2: Oh, yeah. I know. So, well, my my turn story, years ago, while I was still working for ur- urban development, we had done a community meeting about like, hey, if you see speeding issues in the neighborhood, turn it in. Well, I thought I was, I was coming back from a dentist appointment or something, and I thought I was coming up 10th street, where, you know, speed limits here. Well, I was cruising up 13th street through a school zone with the flasher on, and one, the braveness, it's just the bravity of that officer to step in front of me and point me to the side. That wasn't, a, that was a ticket I have not forgotten
0: and I have not done it since. Well, I hope you learned so, your lesson.
2: <laughs> I did learn my lesson, Len, because I had to sit through stop classes after that. I don't want to do it again. Well,
0: if it was on 13th, it may have been near Saratoga. And then, you know, recently we had a poor young lady who was uh, who was actually hit by a car. And unless um, I know that, uh, that LTU has gone in and made some changes there in mm-hmm. front of Saratoga. Um, and what you went from two lanes to or two lanes going south to just one I have noticed that so um, tell us about that change and is that something that you maybe would be doing anyway when you find situations uh, similar in other schools
1: absolutely um, so yeah I'm really excited about the improvements that we made at Saratoga um yeah one of those changes like you said was reducing that southbound lane from two to one so that now we don't have drivers trying to merge in and you know trying to beat the other car whatever now they're all just one lane the whole way um so that's yeah i think that's a really exciting improvement because it also reduced the crossing distance so the kids are not in the street for the same amount of time. So that reduces their exposure, so exactly. And um, yeah, so I would say just that reducing the crossing distance, whenever we would have looked at Saratoga, that would have definitely come to light that, you know, hey, we need to figure out a way to, you know, make it so the kids are not in the street for, and then also there's just so much going on, like you say, reducing from one lane to two that's just not great right out a pedestrian signal. So that's definitely something we would have keyed in on for sure.
2: So I know just to take Saratoga and in, in, into example, I just drove through it last night just because I was curious. Um, there are some no parking areas, right? But they're also in residential areas. That was done for you know, a, a reason of course, but within other areas, do they also, trying to find the best way to ask this having no parking on a street on which you live in is is taking parking away of on-street parking do you ever do permit parking only or just different times or is it just a gold standard to just fully remove parking i'm sure there's lots of ways to cook the cake but what's the best way
1: right um so you know we do not the city of lincoln does not do permit parking on public streets um, so you know, if, if there's parking available and it's not restricted, then it's open to anybody. Um, in the Lincoln Municipal Code, um, there actually is a section in there that says that um, you should not park adjacent to a school during when school's in session. Um, so we do have many of our schools do have park, no parking signs around them on school days from, I think, I don't know, eight to four or seven to four or something like that. Um, so. That unfortunately, if you're, you live adjacent to a school, might be you know some of the restrictions that are on that street. Um, the other no parking you'll see around a school is we have no parking signs um, as you approach a crosswalk. And those are extremely important um, because if someone parks right up next to a crosswalk and you as a driver are driving towards it, you can't see a student or even an adult that might be standing there waiting to cross. And as they step into the street, guess what? They can't see you either. So um, you're going to actually see that in advance of all of our crosswalks, really anywhere in town. And that's just a safety, um, a safety thing.
2: Gotcha. I think one of my last questions would be: um, So we have this, you know, big comprehensive study of safe routes to school that you're working to, you know put into place but well, we also have other uh, plans such as the um, uh, Lincoln bicycle plan how are those two plans working together and and how do you communicate with like colleagues to get the best bang for the buck
1: yeah that's actually really a great question um so my colleague Roberto Partida, who I believe you guys interviewed once a, a while back as well um he's working on implementing the Lincoln bike plan and we were very close together Um, so any improvements we are you know he works with me and helps me out on the school uh, safe routes to school stuff Um, I help him however I can um, on his uh, bike plan so yeah we work very closely together and try to um, if there's a overlap yeah we we're going to find it and um, push that out together
0: so So, Melissa uh, go ahead yeah no Melissa I was just gonna say if you could maybe give our listeners uh, more contact information perhaps if they're interested or they want to learn more tell us again your website uh, anything else you can tell us
1: yeah so for more information go to our website um, lincoln.ne.gov slash school zone you will find our school zone standards there we have some PSAs about school zone safety we also have the school zone maps, um, or excuse me, walking route maps for the schools that have been completed. And we are going to keep updating that until we get all of the schools done. So definitely for more information, hit our website.